really what we're talking about today. We're wrapping up this series. We're going to look at the end of Acts chapter 4. So I want to catch us up to where we are. Um, Acts chapter 4, so Acts, we see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, show up to his disciples and, and to the people around, and Jesus shows up and he says, listen, I'm going back to heaven, but I'm going to send you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, and, and then you're going to be my witnesses around the world. That's what missions is all about, being witnesses of the resurrection of Christ to the world around us. And so Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is gonna come and, and, and you're gonna be filled with the Spirit. And so then in, in Acts chapter two, we see Pentecost. We see the people of God gathered and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up and they're filled with the Spirit and the church is born. And we start to see some amazing things happen. In Acts chapter three, Peter and, and John, two of the disciples are walking along and they see a man um, who is lame, who can't walk, and they heal him through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them. And we see all these miraculous things happening in the church, but, but then um, the, the religious leaders, the same religious leaders that crucified Jesus, those religious leaders started to have a problem with the church. Now, let me stop for just a second. How awesome is it that the church was so much like Jesus that the people that put Jesus to death had to stop and say, wait a minute, we got to do something about this church. I, I know that this may not seem like much to you, but Jesus, the, the, the God, Jesus that we worship and every week we come together, the church, when they're filled with the Spirit, begins to reflect Jesus so much that the same people that wanted Jesus dead start persecuting the church and they call Peter and John before him and they say, you gotta stop this, we don't like this. Man, uh, <laughs> how awesome would it be if we were so much like Jesus? I know that we don't like the idea of persecution in the church, I know that we don't like the idea of difficulty, but how awesome would it be if we were so much like Jesus that, that people saw that and, and, and the people, people were changed by that, but even people that were, uh, you know, the problem that I have in my mind is that people that are against Jesus, I'm afraid sometimes aren't against his church because we don't look enough like Jesus. How awesome is it that the people of God are reflecting Jesus to the world around to the point that these religious leaders say, we gotta stop these people. Is there anybody today saying, we gotta stop this church, it's doing too much? Man, I want God to be at work in us. I want the Spirit to be at work to where there's no stopping. And listen, there is no stopping the kingdom of God, and I want to be a part of it. So, so the religious leaders call them before, and they say, you got to stop this. If you don't stop it, and they start threatening them. And so Peter and John go back to, to their people, and, and they say, hey, you know, we're being threatened. And the people cry out to God in prayer. This was two weeks ago. They cry out in prayer. And their prayer isn't a prayer of, Lord, you know, protect us. Lord, give us what we want. It's not a prayer of, Lord, take away the difficulty. You know what their prayer was? Their prayer was, give us boldness to continue to preach your word. If there is a prayer we need to pray today, it's God, give us boldness to be who you've called us to be. 
Give us boldness to reflect you, to preach your word. And so they cry out to God. And what happens? We, Pentecost 2.0, the Spirit shows up again and the building starts to shake. And the church is filled with the Spirit, which brings us to Acts 4, verse 32. And I think this is a picture of, if, if there was ever a picture that we as a church need to look at, and we need to say, this is who we want to be. This is it right here. Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but, every, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land and, and how, or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, some of you are getting nervous. He's going to tell me to sell my house. No, I'm not. But, but man, if there's anything that we could look at, it, it's this unity that we see. They're one heart, they're one mind, and everything they have becomes things that could be used to accomplish their purpose of glorifying God and building the kingdom. And they testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, we need to testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what we're here for. It's not just to sing good songs and enjoy each other's company. It's to be Jesus and to testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And so this is what the church looks like. I want to look at the, the different elements of this. First, in verse 32, I think we see a pretty miraculous thing happen. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. That may not sound miraculous, but, but let's be honest, our world is void of unity right now, isn't it? it? I mean, you don't have to look very far to see that unity is not, it, it's something that's in short supply in our world. Churches, unfortunately, are way too often void of unity. But God's people, when they're persecuted, when they're filled with the Spirit and they cry out to God and they pray for boldness to build the kingdom, they pray for boldness to be who God's created and called them to be, God's people become one. One in heart, one in mind. This is incredible. They, I mean, the church at this point has grown exponentially. It starts with a, with a few people and it grows by thousands. At this point, it seems the church is about 5,000, but, but that might even be only counting the men. And so the church at this point is thousands of people. And the Spirit has come and the church is growing. And, and let's be honest, when more people come into the mix, unity becomes harder and harder, right? One of the hardest things in my family is just trying to figure out where we're going to go eat. Tonight, I don't know what time, six, seven o'clock, somewhere in there, it'll be time for dinner and we'll say, what do you guys want to eat? And two of my kids will immediately say, McDonald's. And one of my kids will be over here and he'll say, I don't like McDonald's. 
I'd rather go to Arby's. And the other two will say, no, we love McDonald's. Let's go to McDonald's. And this epic battle will, this happens every day, every single day. This epic battle comes to play. Unity is not something that comes natural to us. And, and the reality is way too often our world and even our churches are not living in one heart and one mind. But what we see is when the people of God cry out and they say, give us boldness to be who you call us to be, the result is that they're unified. They're one heart, one mind. What does this look like? They all have different gifts. They're all from different places. They all have different personalities. What does it look like to be one heart and one mind? Well, I was thinking about this as, as I was working on the sermon, and I was thinking about our worship team, right? We've got a lot of talent up here on our worship team and our band, right? Raise, raise your hand if you think we got some talent. If you don't raise your hand, watch out. I might throw something at you. We got a lot of talent up here. Can you imagine if the people up here were more concerned with showcasing themselves or getting attention. So think Pastor Teresa's up here and she's standing here and Teresa has a great voice. So we're in the middle of the song and things are going good, but all of a sudden Teresa thinks, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really showcase myself. I wanna really get the spotlight over here. And so she just breaks out into this crazy song or Pastor Deb's over on the piano and she's amazing at playing the piano and she's playing along and she's like, you know what, I'm gonna show them and she's just, you know, goes crazy on the piano, or our guitarists are up there, and they're playing, and they think, you know what, it's time to do my thing, and they, can you imagine, like, the worship songs could become a mess really quick, right? Each one of them has different gifts, different talents, different abilities, and if each one of them was playing for their own purposes, it would be an absolute train wreck. But what happens every week, and I'm so thankful for this, is that all of their different personalities and talents and gifts are being used for the same purpose, which is to worship God, to, to sing together and worship God together, and, and the result is this beautiful, this beautiful worship time. I, I've said this before to you, it's not something I talk about a whole lot, but I was in the orchestra growing up. I played the violin. Don't I just look like a violinist? I played the violin. And um, it, it didn't take me long to stop playing the violin. I wasn't very good at the violin, but one of my favorite things was being in the orchestra and playing the great classics when all of the different instruments came together and we played Beethoven's Fifth or we played West Side Story or one of those great classics like there is nothing better than faking playing to an amazing song. That was my gift. Like I just didn't make noise because it would detract, right? So that's how I, I looked up there. Like, I don't even know if I look good, but I pretended I was playing. That was one of my, when we come together, when we're one in purpose and mission, a beautiful thing happens, and the result of the people crying out to God is that this beautiful unity comes together in their one heart and their one mind. Listen, that moment was not a moment that was just meant to be a snapshot for us to look back on and say, wow, cool, they were unified. That's what God wants for his church today, that we would be one heart and one mind, that we would be so unified and glorifying God and building his kingdom 
that we would be one heart and one mind. This isn't just something to wish for. This is what God wants for this church today to be unified. We are unified in Christ, and we are unified in mission. There is nothing else that can bring us all to be one than Jesus Christ and the mission of building God's kingdom. And so we're called to be unified. Let me ask you a question. Is, is that where we are? Are you there? Are you so passionate about who God is and about building God's kingdom that all of us, you could look around here and say, we're one. That's what we're here for. This is what we exist for. We are called to unity. What's the result of their unity? Verse 32, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Nobody claimed that any of their, the church was so one, so unified in purpose and in Christ that their possessions, the things that they had, were just tools to be used to build the kingdom. Can you imagine if the people of God were so sold out for God's purposes that the money in our bank account, in our wallet, that the houses we live in, that the cars we drive, that the talents that we have would just be seen as tools to build God's kingdom? Can you imagine what God can do through that? I wanna, this is a generous church. I love you guys. Man, we've got to be unified and we've got to be generous because we're all in this together. The reality is if somebody comes to you that you don't know and says, hey, can you help me out? Can you give me something? It's pretty hard to do that, right? But if somebody you love, somebody you're unified with, if one of my boys comes to me and says, daddy, I'm really in need, not, not what Charlie does every single day and says, Daddy, I need this toy. But if one of my boys is really in need, do you think there's any question that I'm going to give to him? Because we're family, because we're one. And what the people of God realize at this point is we're all in this together. And so for me to give to you only helps the mission, building the kingdom. If I help meet your need, we can work together because this is them against the world to build the kingdom and glorify God. And so me giving of my possessions to you helps us build the kingdom. Unity in Christ breeds generosity. Listen, if, if we're not generous, it's probably because we're not one in mission and purpose probably because we're not one in Christ. And so we are called not just to unity, but we are called to generosity. See, the people of God, they were threatened by the religious leaders. They had been living for him. The Spirit had been doing incredible things, and they pray to God, give us boldness. And a lot of times, we pray that in the church, right? Lord, give us boldness to speak truth. Lord, give us boldness to stand for what's right in a broken world. That's what they prayed. The result was that they were so unified that they weren't just bold in what they said, they were bold with their possessions, with their lifestyles became about the purpose of glorifying God 
and building his kingdom. It's not enough for us, church, to believe in unity. It's not enough for us to believe in generosity. We are gonna, if we are going to be a true reflection of Jesus Christ, we have to live this every single day. Man, God, give us boldness. Make us who you created us. Don't let this be a social club. Don't let this be just a place full of friends that come together, but give us boldness to build your kingdom, to be so one that we're working together and the things that we have are just tools to be used to build your kingdom. Verse 33 is the key to all of it. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now I want you to think about this for a second. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Think about this. The apostles had seen Jesus. The church had seen Jesus. They saw Jesus crucified. They saw his death. You know what else they saw? They saw his resurrection. Jesus was alive. He showed up at the beginning of Acts and is walking around talking to them. Can you imagine if Jesus showed up today and we were eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How would it change us? What would, would we just be sitting here thinking, yeah, it's a good, good service we're having? No, we... We would be on fire to go change the world to testify to the resurrection. And so I see this, this, this problem because none of us were physically there to see Jesus, at least not that I know of. Some of you are pretty old, but not that old. None of us were there to see Jesus die. And none of us were there to see the resurrection. And so the church is given boldness to testify to the resurrection. And, and we didn't have that experience, but I've got good news for you today. The resurrection power of God was not a one-time thing that happened on a cross in an empty grave thousands of years ago. The resurrection power of God is at work today in the world around us. We may not have seen Jesus physically die and be raised from the dead, but you know what? If we haven't seen the resurrection power of God at work in us, we're missing it big time. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore God's ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, as if God was making his appeal to the world around us through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Good news this morning. Resurrection wasn't a party trick from thousands of years ago. Resurrection is who our God is, and God continues to this day to be about redeeming and restoring and resurrecting things that are broken. Before I lived here, I lived in South Carolina, and I had two friends that I was really close to. His, one of his name was Steve Haskins. He looked like Hulk Hogan. He had a handlebar mustache. He was a, you know, tough guy. And Steve, every year, would stand up in front of the church, and he would sing a testimony, and his eyes would be filled with tears. If you knew who Steve was, Steve was, was so messed up at one point in his life that, that he got tired of his wife nagging him about mowing the lawn, so he went and set it on fire and burned his lawn. Like, that's how messed up Steve's life was. But Jesus got a hold of him and transformed him. And today he is made new in Jesus Christ. I got another buddy, Tony. Tony's life was so messed up that his family was ready to leave him and he was done for. And Jesus got a hold of him. You know what Tony's doing right now? He's preaching because he's been made new in Christ, because the resurrection power of Christ was not something for then, it's something now. And we, as the church, are to testify to the resurrection power of Christ. Every one of us should have a story of what was and what is in Christ, because God is making all things new. And God wants to reconcile the world to him through us, through the power of his Holy Spirit. Our God is a God of resurrection. So, so let me ask you a question. What, what's your resurrection story? What is there in your life that you could say God has resurrected? And for me, it's just... For years, I was living selfish. I don't have some incredible story like Steve and Tony, but, but man, for years, I was living selfish. There are parts of me that are totally selfish, that want to live for me, that want to be greedy, but God is changing me and has changed me and is making me new. And there is nothing I want more than for everything in my life to be used for his glory. That's the resurrection power of God. And the appropriate response to the resurrection power of God is to testify. Now, I'm not talking about testimonies like stand up and stop me from preaching and tell all, like, that's testifying and that's great and I'm not telling you not to do that, but I'm talking about testifying with my life testifying by being unified, testifying by being a person of grace and love, testifying by letting the things of my life just be tools to be used for his kingdom. Hear it again from 2 Corinthians, as if God was making his appeal through us, we are a testimony to the risen Lord and Savior. Let me ask you a question. Are we a good testimony? Does the world around us see the resurrection power of God at work in us? They should. 
Because God is making all things new and God is working through us. Listen to the last part of this. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them and all, in them all that there were no needy persons among them. The result of the unity, the result of them giving everything, the result of their testimony of resurrection is that God's grace was moving in powerful ways and people's lives were being changed. And there was nobody that was needy because they were all one and they were all one for God's kingdom. Man, what a beautiful thing. The thing I love about this is oftentimes in Scripture, we think, God, we want you to pour stuff out. In Scripture, we see examples of manna from heaven. We see examples. I was studying Elijah's life last week, and we see the examples of Elijah being fed by ravens. Sometimes we think of the supernatural. God is just going to provide what we need in a supernatural way. What I love about the Scripture is that God provides in a supernatural way. You know what that way is? It's the Holy Spirit at work in His people who are one, who give everything for his kingdom, who testify to the power of the resurrection, we are God's vehicles of grace. Here's 2 Corinthians 5 again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. How's that gonna happen, church? It's gonna happen when we're so committed, when we're so impacted by the resurrection power of God that we are one. Not arguing over silly things, not being selfish, not holding things but that we are so unified to build God's kingdom that we are of one heart and one mind. When we get there, and, and we're getting there, I, I don't, we're getting there. We're gonna be transformed and we're gonna be generous and we're gonna testify to the power of God's resurrection in our lives, in the lives around us. We are the vehicles of God's grace. And so the worship team's gonna come up and we're gonna sing a song. And if you didn't get a chance, um, we have communion elements in the back. After this song, um, we're gonna take communion together. But as we sing this song, you're gonna see some signs held up from different people in the church. And they're gonna talk about what it looks like to be one in Christ, to be unified, to be all in for the same purpose, to be testifying to the resurrection. And so if you didn't get a chance to get communion, I, I give you permission right now to get up and go back and get the elements. And as we sing this last song, I just want you to ask yourself, am I one in mission and purpose with the church? Am I wholly committed to the building of God's kingdom? Am I sharing and testifying to the resurrection power of God at work in my life? Am I an ambassador for Christ? And here's the thing, I think if we will all pray, Lord, Lord, I wanna be an ambassador for you. I want boldness. I want boldness to share your hope with the world around me. God's gonna make us one. 
And God's grace is gonna be powerfully at work in us. And we're gonna see lives changed and we're gonna see needs met and we're gonna see the kingdom built. Jesus, as we sing this song, I pray that you would prepare our hearts. We're gonna take communion together. Communion's a sacrament and communion sacrament means grace flows. So Lord, as we prepare our hearts to take communion together to remember what you did for us on the cross and with the empty tomb, Lord, I pray that, I pray that you would call each and every one of us to be all in for you. Lord, speak to us, challenge us, transform us. I pray your grace would flow now and that we would be one for building your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. Amen.